Everybody's talking at me I don't hear words they're saying Only the echoes of my mind Greetings, Grandstanders! People We're back. It's been a while. Um, so, so, so that's it. That's my only introduction. Uh, before we get into today's episode, let me introduce uh, uh, my, my partner in crime, El Profesore, checking in from uh, the Big Apple. Professor, how are you? I'm good. Dude, that was an awesome introduction. Just short, concise, straight to the point. Let's just get, let's just get into it. Yeah. yeah. yeah awesome. Everything good over there? Yeah, everything's good, and looking forward to a big game coming up uh, this tonight. Huge game. Big summer for the Mexican national team. I was out this morning, people already rocking their the green shirts. As it should be. Um, nobody, nobody brings it as hard as, as Mexico fans, I don't think. Because when you see like abuelitas wearing a, a Mexico jersey at the fucking local menuderia, that's like, there's nothing more beautiful than that. But anyways... Um, uh, today's today's guest is 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 more than a guest. He's he's a he's a contributor. He is a, our our resident um, political scientist slash uh, Washington correspondent Dan One Time Tex. How are you? Doing well, sir. Thank you. Uh, thank you both for having me back. This is always always a lot of fun to do. Um, and I would also add, I'm now the official grandstand Twitter master. Oh, that's right. That's right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. And I, we, we just became like cool overnight because now we, we have somebody who actually knows how the fuck Twitter works. Thank you one time for, for taking that over. Yeah. No, it's actually been a lot of fun. And um, I, I highly encourage everybody to, uh, to follow us on Twitter at, uh, at Grandstand Podcast. Uh, it's also good because I quit my own Twitter account, which I've been maintaining for, for work. And the uh, it just it got so nasty. <laughs> like, really? Just on its own, man. As I was, I've just been picking up. You know, I started out doing Twitter, just following space news, and then you know that kind of branched off and <laughs> picked up a few general things like yeah. you know, the New York Times or you know the yeah, Washington. Yeah, yeah. And before I knew it, you know, I picked up some some journalists and other people who I was really interested in and whose work I. You know, followed, but then you start following their stuff, and their stuff starts showing up on your feed. Mm. It got a bit manic, um, so now I just do the grandstand tweeting, uh, and it's all sports. So yeah, it's it's really good, dude. I, I uh, I've enjoyed it. What's the um, what's the the handle? It's at Grandstand Podcast. At G Stand. At G Stand. At Yeah, at G Stand Podcast. I got you right here. At G Stand Podcasts. Uh, yeah. You pick any fights with people? No. No, and so far it's mostly just been um, following a lot of uh, like national football and you know, a couple other Good things. Stuff. Good but, stuff. Nice. Good stuff. Oh, yeah, I'm looking at All right. Yeah, man, it's going. Thank you one time. Uh, oh. Today we're going to talk about broadcasters. But we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna kind of stretch stretch the idea of broadcasters. We're gonna talk kind of we're, we're just gonna refer to it as narrators. So broadcaster in the booth slash pundits slash uh, people who provide uh, commentary for the spectating spectacle. Let me let me introduce a little bit about uh, just some ideas or thoughts that I've had uh, that I've been having about um, the broadcaster, the the role of the narrator, so to speak. You know, sports, like we've said a million times, are, are it, it, they are part of the greater narrative we always say here at, at Grandstand. But I think each individual game and experience is, is its own individual narrative, right? Like its own little individual story in and of itself. And then, and then of course, each individual moment of that experience has a, 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 like holds a different allure or or different experience for all of us, you know, especially for, for people who get really – who geek it out with sports – um, so there's there's this lure of, of of venturing into the inferno of grandstanding that that all these little secondary narratives form and 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 they kind of they 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 reflect maybe like a, 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 a 
like a, a, a urge or a preoccupation or a concern within us. And and there's you know I, I feel like during the game there's like the great there's like the big the big like macro narrative and then there's like the micro narrative that we all kind of have with with different characters or archetypes of the of the spectacle and and sometimes these things go go beyond the the outcomes of the game you know or or of the of the failed expectations but I think part of of losing that is that part of the 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 effects of losing some of losing a game besides the fact that your team lost and it feels like shit, is also that it makes, it makes a lot of our little, tiny little um, small narratives, micro-narratives, um, the extended narratives that we create with each player, with each, with each, with each head-to-head battle between two, two star athletes or, or, or politicians for that matter, um, what it means for us. And, and when, when those characters, those archetypes that we're rooting for lose, I feel like in a, in a tiny way, there's there's a there's a tiny there, the, that part of that pain is that those narratives those those stories kind of like uh, maybe they reflect a, a deeper neurosis, but the narration the narrative is such a huge part of the experience, and the the the, the broadcasters they they kind of are always uh, contextualizing for us right they're giving us context they're giving us parameters, um, but but I I feel like sometimes maybe the the broadcasters they 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 take me they take me on a trip that I really wasn't on and I I sometimes have to turn it off because I feel like they they intrude on my experience because they're essentially this is my just my own perception they they they're making me feel something that I don't necessarily I'm not necessarily experiencing and I think about like art right when you look at art when you look at a painting um, I don't know a lot about art but I know enough to know like what I like and don't like. But there, there are certain narratives in a painting that I can look at and say, uh, I think I understand. But it's it's very it's very like it's 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 very subtle or it's very deep or, and it's not until I refer to the narrators, to the interlocutors, the broadcasters, the people who have kind of like a in, the inside scoop or, or or have more information on the on the narrative that I'm able to appreciate certain things like a Mark uh, a Rothko painting. And then there are other painters who who don't don't put any booby traps in their in their art, and it's kind of like it's there, it's still profound, it's still deep, it's still forcing you to think, but it's not really, it's not it's not hiding anything. It's just basically saying here it is. So, uh, I want to talk a little bit about that and what you guys think, how, where you see that reflected. So let me see. Let's 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 get on with that. Uh, uh, any anything you guys might want to add at that point, or or want to interject or say something with regard to my little. Uh, a little rant I just went on. Um, have you? Are you guys familiar with? Uh, do you know about the the game, the NFL game that was played without commentary, that was broadcasted without commentary? Talk to us about that. So in 1980, uh, NBC uh, decided to like one of the main, the the chief executives at NBC, like the NBC Sports, uh, decided to move forward with an idea that he would had for a while. Um, to broadcast a game, an entire game, without commentary. And it was the Jets uh, against the Dolphins. And, of course, it was like towards the end of the season. The game didn't have playoff implications. That was like a big, important part of it. And it was really just an experiment. Like, what, how will this play out? What will, what will the public, how will the public feel about it? And not only that, it was also a way to boost ratings because people intrigued by the idea, like, what, they're going to, NBC's going to broadcast a game without narration. What's that going to... What's that going to look like? Um, and so they did it, and it was weird. <laughs> it was like <laughs> it was bizarre. And um, uh, a writer, a columnist for the Chicago Tribune, uh, David Israel, said uh, one of his statements that he made about it was, um, "Without commentary, this became a game with no context played by men with no pass." Oof. And uh, and yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a uh, it put too much responsibility on the viewer. You know, and and most viewers, and I'll say this about myself, when I'm watching sports. So in a way, different from you know how you were saying sometimes you, you don't, um, you resist the 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 content, the way the context is being yeah. laid out yeah. for you. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I, I, when it comes to sports, I, that annoys me in in news media, but in sports, I do appreciate. I want to be a passive consumer, and I want to be fed the narrative. Um, uh, at least by people who are good at it, and and 
And so what they saw with this game, it was a great, it was an awesome experiment. Uh, experiment. It's never been done again uh, because they realized like, no, no, this this doesn't work out. You know, um, it, it highlighted the importance of the 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 play by play commentator who who provides provides that type of context that really that fans want uh, when watching the sports game. One time before you comment on this, because I know you have something beautiful to say, <laughs> Professor is. Is is the you said what did you call it? You, you like the passive consumption aspect of it? Yeah. It, it, is it is it is it is it um I I well you know what no uh, let's come back to that one time let's hear from you. Uh, actually, I have a question for both of you. Um, when you go to a match or a football game or whatever, and there's you know you're there live and there's obviously no commentary. Do you ever kind of wish there was? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Um, which is ironic because there's a, uh, I think it was Drew Brees actually who gave an interview once and they were asking him, what's the best way to, to watch a football game? And he was like, well, the first thing you should do is turn off the, like turn down the volume and like put on some music instead because those guys don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> and I remember thinking that and I was like, oh, okay, I'll try that too. And it's awful. <laughs> Especially if you go to like a bar or something and you're watching the game, if it's a game that everyone's into, obviously you turn off the music and you put on the play-by-play. Um, Did you guys find that in the past when you'd go to a bar, they wouldn't the the whole thing of like I I can't I can't go to a soccer game now without without it being on the surround sound, you know the the, the sounds of the game. Like I feel. I feel like I'm missing part of it, you know, if if I don't hear the announcers or the broadcasters. But was wasn't there a time when that wasn't the case, where the game was on but there was no they they wouldn't turn up the volume? Did you guys remember that experience? Did you guys have that experience? I mean, it still happens that way when it's not a when it's not a match that is necessarily or a game that's being watched by every single person. Mm-hmm. So especially like on NFL Sunday, how do you pick which game you're gonna play? There's three, four games going on at the same time. Um, so unless it's like the home team, so like, you know, here in DC, yeah, they're going to put on the play by play for like for Washington or for, um, you know, for the nationals or something like that, but anybody else and they'll just put on like generic music. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it cause it, it takes a level of sophistication to, uh, like sophistication with the game itself to be, for you to, to be able to watch it without narration and for you to. To yeah. you know, construct those narratives. Yeah, I, have you guys heard of? There's a a movie called Dancer about. Or do you know of that Ukrainian ballet dancer? No. Um, he's like a super famous Ukrainian ballet dancer, and um, um, and there's a documentary about his life, and and um, and I'd never really until watching that, uh, never really thought about how uh when like in the battle you know the in this these type of dances i mean i've known about it but never really thought about how it's there's a story being told and like in every movement so like when the guy runs uh, when they run and like spin that's like symbolic of like you know know, like that whole dance is like telling Mm -hmm. the story of like a son Mm -hmm. deserted by his father Mm -hmm. you know and um and so it's like for as as that as I'm watching, I'm thinking like, man, for people, for fans of of this craft, to have the level of understanding of of this, to be able to pick up, to be able to 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 read the story, based on these movements that these people are making, like jumping and spinning and stuff, mm-hmm. is is mind blowing to me. Like I've, I, there, there's no way I could watch that and 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 pick up on like what the story oh. is being told is, and then. Um, what gets really crazy with that particular, uh, well, with people who have to do that in their own minds is when they start not just noticing that, you know, oh, this is what the original composer intended or the original choreographer, but also this particular dancer does this, like, really minute detail with his hands that's kind of a play on this. And, right. like, it, it just goes, it, get, it goes incredibly deep, um, which goes to show you how much the, the play-by-play really um i mean how much learning how much intelligence it takes to be able to run those commentaries it's really important i think and, and back that was that that was kind of my point about art is that it really helps when you go to the museum to read the little blurb too you know to give it context right and then and then of course if you really are intrigued by something it, it once you go in wikipedia that thing it it really makes it that much more 
like in, like it creates more a greater impact. I think I really love to know what the narrative or what the story, the backstory is to something. So without the narrators, you know, I I, I yes, I would be lost. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, I used to date a dancer who took me to a lot of dance performances, and I was trying to see it. And, you know, in my very, like, limited way of understanding dance, I was trying to see it as, a, like, a, like, a, like a linear narrative, a, a story of, of, of sorts. But, I, you know, like, I, I, never, really, I never really made that connection because I never really could understand it. But the more I learned about what was kind of, like, the subtle aspects of it, it really enriched my experience. So definitely a very important part of the spectacle, the narrator, right? Yeah, and I guess with that, like, so you could say that... Um... Because, and this kind of goes to what you were saying earlier of, mm-hmm. of resisting it at times. Sometimes if you are a sophisticated fan of the sport, sometimes you don't want the, the narrator because right. sometimes the narrator kind of dumbs it down for the mass audience. Right. And right. and that's pro- I assume that's where what you're getting, you know, where you might get frustrated and saying, you know, this is not, you know, you're, you're, you're seeing something, uh, which I'm sure the narrator sees it too, but because their right. job is to communicate to the masses. Right. Uh, the storylines right. that they're telling—it's—it's it's like right. it's uh, maybe too simplistic for you. Wait, let's not beat around the bush. How often do you just straight up disagree with the narrator? All the time. <laughs> All the time. All the time, because uh, especially if I'm watching a team that I'm like, like, like my father used to say uh, that I watch with my heart and not with my brain. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's a huge. There's the psychological element of it. So these people. Do do these people do part of their power is that they have this capacity to look behind the curtain, that they can tell us something about the characters on the screen that 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 we that we may not know otherwise. Does that enrich the experience? Knowing the the the, the personal histories is that is that important? Is that way is that another like is that another great thing that this narration provides? I mean, it, yes, absolutely. But also, <laughs> on the flip side, it just adds on to the ulcer. Because you, you know, you love the team and you hurt with the team. And the more you know about each of the individual players and, and sort of their sagas and how things are going, it, it makes a more complete experience. And that experience gets bigger and you pack on more implications and more weight to it. And it, it could be all-consuming at a certain point. So you, have, you also have to know... At, at what point does each individual person cut it off? Because nowadays, there are so many narrators, not just the guys on the TV mm-hmm. necessarily who are mm-hmm. the, you know, the official broadcasters of the game. Mm-hmm. There are mm-hmm. people who are, as we were just talking about, the Twitterverse, you know, tweeting at the same time, or who are saying things on you know, live blogs or like have their own commentaries going. And you can dig and dig and dig until, you know, Forever, I suppose, and if you get obsessed enough with any one subject, right, and then you start seeing things that maybe aren't really there, right? Um, how how much dissonance is created by the the constant peddling of a of a very specific tor- storyline? So, one of the things that I I get frustrated with is 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 these these narratives and subplots that that come up that. Uh, Although useful and important, and and sometimes I will I will take the bait and and follow one you know get into one, but most of the time I feel like the 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 way that they the way that they create this this specific angle and they're they're very obviously like working on creating a, a storyline, especially when they're trying to hype up a player a new a new a new star, that I that's the part that frustrates me. Oh. Does that do anything for you guys? How do you feel about that? I enjoy that. I like that. Um, but but it is there is um, sometimes when it's done. Uh, sometimes it could be insulting to the fan when I think this happens a lot in boxing. So like if you know within within boxing, you understand as now we we understand how it works, like the the, the ecosystem and how. Okay, so you have a promoter, a promoter has a partnership with a network. And the the and so the two are working together to hype up this one player, this this one fighter, um, and so and the and the play by play guys, um, and as well as the the kind of the analysts, um, you can just sometimes it's just too over like it's too much like okay it's it's so obvious what you guys are trying to do, 
mm-hmm. um, that it, 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 sometimes it could just be a little more subtle. But in, in, in but overall, I do enjoy it because I think that's a big for me. At least I'm the type of fan that I I love. I think I'm more interested in the storylines beyond the field than I am on what plays out on the field uh, or in the court or on the or in the ring or whatever. So um, so I actually that that is why I appreciate the broadcaster so much is is by providing that type of those type of storylines. And usually I like them, but um, but yeah, sometimes it's just too much. It's it's uh they they beat it over our head a little too much. So being a big fan of the English Premier League, I get to watch the English media do that that exact task. And I, I must say, I don't know if anyone is more um, expert at the spinning the narrative than English Premier League broadcasters. Um, and. Not, not just it doesn't just stop there. Where it spills over and gets really interesting with these broadcasters who they'll pick a player who they're really interested in, somebody who attracts a lot of attention, and then they uh, they weave sort of the um, the the narrative of is this player going in the in the direction that we want to see the player going? Um, it's you know it's pretty standard for for a lot of football uh, pundits. But then watching it play out at the national level, so then seeing English, the the English football, so those same pundits, those same broadcasters, <clears throat> suddenly like have this added element of nationalism, mm-hmm. and they put so much pressure, not just or that they exert so much pressure into the into the media. So whether it be through newspapers or through um, television channels, that like the coaches, the managers, they have to buckle and. You yeah. can pretty much say that the, the English national team is run by the English media or is managed by the English media more than any other team in the world. Maybe uh, Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> They're actually owned by so. the fucking media. <laughs> well, Televisa owns the Mexican national team. I mean, yeah. more or less. But yes, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I, I know exactly what you're saying. Because um, I feel like Martinoli... The, the commentator for TV Azteca and Jose Ramon have more power sometimes than the national team coach. Because when, when they talk, people listen. Because their, their remarks and, and their commentary is, is pretty spot on. It's kind of what we're all thinking. And they, they say it, of course, in a more eloquent and, and much more uh, uh, elegant manner. But sometimes I just feel like they're just fucking nagging motherfucking bitches. It's you know? <laughs> like, shut the fuck up, man. Let me enjoy this. And that's that's another thing that like really um, gets on my nerves. But uh, to that, why is it? Can we just talk about why soccer sounds so much prettier, much more prettier in in British accent than it does in an American accent or a Scottish accent? Can we please tackle? Or yeah, can we please tackle that? Can we talk about that? <coughs> well, I think everyone, everything sounds prettier in a, a British accent. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, there's that. Uh, okay, <laughs> or, or is it just that we've never heard uh, in a football commentator who speaks um, with an American accent um, who like has this genuine passion for the sport that, um, that I think we weren't conditioned. We didn't grow up with it on the island. Yeah, uh, like likewise, who would ever want to listen to a British person commentating on an NFL game or an NBA game? Like, <laughs> That's true. There is only one Marv Albert in the world. That's true. So, yeah. No? I assume you guys are on the same page as I am, as where I absolutely hate hate if if I hate watching soccer games on ESPN or whatever, just with right. with the English broadcast if it's a an American uh, broadcast team. And I was I that's not something I've always wondered was why is this sound so annoying while um, while watching the games on on the Spanish t- uh, telecast just sounds it's just so fun and it's just so enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And I do think part of it is is just that it's like the the, the history. Uh, I think broadcasters who come from a culture in which soccer is just part of it's part of who you are. Uh, there is just more of this natural. It, it's just it, it just feels more natural. It feels more organic. Uh, it doesn't feel as, as rigid. And then there's and and in that in feeling more natural, I think it it allows the broadcasters also to be more of they're more loose and they're funnier and they're wittier. Um, yeah. It feels less uptight, um, but but exactly to to one time's point, um, I would rather watch a baseball game with 
with American broadcasters, and and I think it's for a similar reason because that's where Americans are in their element. That's their that's that's the American sport, right? So is it's that why is that why is that why watching a soccer game on ESPN with American broadcasters is so shitty? I can't stand it. I, I, I just it. I can't I can't listen to it. It's it's it it bothers me. Yeah, it feels like they had just spent the last six hours studying the names of all the players. <laughs> right, <They're still laughs> yes. trying to keep the names of the players in their in their head straight, Excellent. but they can't think of anything funny or interesting to say. So instead, they, and also, football isn't really a statistic-driven sport. Yes. Americans yes. love statistics. They love <laughs> numbers. Um, it, it's fine. I would hate to watch like a World Cup game where somebody is like just dropping all these like you know so and so has been running this many you know, meters this match or they've taken this many shots on goal like no man talk about the poetry yeah and meanwhile when you watch an NFL game there's so much time in between all the plays you, know, you got to work out what your bets are going to be for the next play yeah you got plenty of time to eat all the numbers you want is that is that have something does the 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 I don't like the pacing and I don't like the narrative at all, but I, I always wonder if it has to do with the level of sophistication of the American audience. I feel like they're always, they're, they're, they're like, the way that I see an American broadcast of, of soccer, it, it reminds me of like a, like a, like a, like a, like a popular film where they're, they're basically telling you everything that's happening and it kind of just takes away any magic that might be left from the broadcast booth because it's kind of like, I, I can see that that just happened. Like, I, I don't need you to explain it to me. You know what I'm saying? Um, not very poetically done. Does it have to do with the level of sophistication of the American soccer audience? I mean, at what point are they gonna are they gonna go in a different direction and, and let us experience it a little more and, and and give us more of that poetry? Or is it gonna be that way because we are such a data driven society? You know, I actually think the the American soccer culture is really starting to catch on, um, and it's even though if you're not able to <laughs> necessarily know who all the players are and what their backgrounds are. I I wouldn't see anything wrong with like just getting a couple of like British broadcasters, bringing them over, and letting them go loose uh, on the matches. I think I mean that's what um so uh what's the the sports the NBC Sports Network uh, yeah they have British yeah. comments or yeah yeah, uh, yeah. That's, you've got a couple British, and then there's the one American guy and he's not bad um, but no. he also doesn't call he doesn't call the, the matches or anything. Um, yeah, I, I think the American soccer audience is actually pretty good at this point. I think it, I, I think you're right. It is uh, the audience is developing and really and rapidly right now. But I don't think I think it'll matter. We'll see the we'll see the the effect of that, and we'll see an improvement in in the broadcast booth by the next generation. So they're like right now cultivating yeah, okay. the next generation of broadcasters, okay. which which will probably be better and, and which will be closer to what we're like. When when listening to uh, like the Mexican broadcasts, um, it it feel you know it's it, it it sounds like dudes just shooting the breeze, and there isn't this this rigidity to it, and there is this um, uh, they're they're cracking jokes and and it yeah I, I would it sometimes it sounds like they literally are sipping on like a. <laughs> it sounds like they're they're just getting hammered in the booth. Um, I, I, I swore the other day I was watching the Teve Azteca broadcast. I swear I heard Jorge Campos open a beer in the booth. Like <laughs> I, It sounded, and Sarah's like, no, it's probably some subliminal thing to get you to get a beer right now. I'm like, probably, oh, but I'm, I want to believe that it was Jorge Campos like, popping open, open a, 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 a tecate. He sounds drunk like most of the time, um, but, but not, in a way that ta- not in a way that takes away from the experience. It, it, I think it enhances it because it just makes for a much more enjoyable experience, similar to the way why I love uh, baseball broadcasters. Because mm-hmm. again, they are, they're, 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 cool. they're loose and they're, and they're just they're, they're shooting the breeze. Sometimes, I'm sure they're, some of them might even be, be knocking back booze too, but um, um, it's that same it's it's that same similar feel of um uh if the broadcasters are are enjoying themselves in a in a natural way i think it it translates and and we can it it translates to the way we experience it listening to them you've got to know the sport inside out like the back of your hand to be able to have that kind of that kind of back you know the certainly like the the guys who call the baseball they could probably tell you the entire roster of you know, just about any team backwards, 
uh, you ask them to. <clears throat> so when I, I think when you get when you try to transplant people who aren't naturally or who haven't naturally grown up with the sport, it, it comes off as being really rigid because they're they themselves are still just learning the you know what makes the game beautiful. And, and that's another thing I always notice with the, a lot of the American commentators. They'll miss certain nuances that you're like, oh, that was a great pass. The inflection in your voice should have picked up just a little bit more right there, and they right. went right, right over it. Or uh, right. there's little details that they don't they don't quite get, but it's because they didn't grow up with it. Maybe they, just, they don't watch it that much. But I, I think even with like with so you know you you have the play-by-play guy, then you have the color commentator, which usually is a former player. Right. Who understand? You know, I, I there's no denying that that <clears throat> you know Marcelo Balboa understands the game in and out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there one possible it, it it might just be a there is just kind of a cultural difference as well in in um, shit, man. It might even just be like in, in it's things as I keep coming back to the comedy element of it, but I think like a big for me a big part of broadcasters is, is the sense of humor they bring to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is just something about the 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 Mexican sense of humor that is very different from say not just the American, but like the because we're talking about white you know white culture sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Uh, not saying one is better than the other, but they're just different, and uh, and it feels different. Oh, one's better, dude. <laughs> yeah, you can say that. Yeah, I mean, in, in our. I'm not gonna say which yeah. one. But. And, and tell me if you find this as well. One big difference that I I notice between those cultures is also that in, in supposedly like white culture commentating, you're supposed to be objective. Like the commentators and the narrators are not supposed to be partisan. Whereas I think in the rest of the world, certainly in Latin America. There is no doubt who people are pulling for. <laughs> right. That's a good. Right. That's a good point. Right. You know, I and I think that that kind of adds adds a little bit to it in the sense that you, you know, when I watch, you know, the Mexican football team play, I'm always watching them like, Unión de Azteca. So obviously, like, you're with them at that point. Like the the narrator is with you. Uh, whereas I think even in the United States, like where they do try to exert that, you know, when the, when the U.S. team plays, even though they do try to have that sense of like, all right, this is our team, because they still bring this very proper, objective professionalism to the to the commentating, they don't they don't quite get into it. <laughs> anyway. I'd like to add to that that I think part of well, I mean. Ultimately, maybe what we were talking about here is just styles, right? Like it, it, the the soccer culture maybe is already very sophisticated in America, but maybe this is this is the way it's going to be. You know, maybe it'll evolve into something more sophisticated as far as like the narrative and the prose. But maybe this is the way. This is just American soccer narration. That's the way it's going to be, right? Um, and that's just the style, and and either you like it or you don't, right? But one of the things that really I think is 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 interesting speaking to that uh, uh, the objectivity is that um, so when you have your your, your you know, when you listen to a, a a game on your local your 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 local team and the the broadcaster obviously works for the organization of the team that you're rooting for and and they te- they're they're pulling for your team and, and it's very obvious right and then then you watch the national the national broadcast you know they have to be objective but one of the things that I think is really interesting about uh, U.S. soccer culture and and the narration of it is when the national team plays, they're really never, once the game is over, really not very hard on the team, you know, not, not very, the, the, the observations and the critiques during the game, it, 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 it still feels, it still feels, it doesn't feel as intense as it does for me when I watch the, when I watch the Mexican soccer narration, especially on TV Azteca, if in 15 minutes the national team is not looking good, mm-hmm. they just start, yeah, like they just start destroying the team. You know, um, well, so maybe I, I don't know. Different levels of expectation, I would think. E- so even though, this, I would it's argue. almost like they're children. Like they're like you're you're rooting for your kids, and you're like they're doing really great. You know, we almost beat that team. We did awesome. And I, at what point is it ever? Maybe it's never going to be this way. Are they are they ever going to say? Man, we suck. We need to get our shit together. Yeah, I would actually argue that the United States has proven themselves several times, and the the expectations should be higher. And yet, still, uh, it seems like they 
they get a lot of passes from from the uh, the pundits and the the broadcasters. Um, USA and Mexico have made it just as far in the World Cup. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's a big deal. So something that I wonder, and this is going this is going back to kind of what we're talking about now, is because there are so many interlocutors, so many people in the in the internet who are providing you know additional narratives to the narrative of the of the official pundits of the of the people of the of the main broadcasting corporations uh that that give us the storylines and the narratives and the context because there there are people like us there you know tons of people like us uh and this is a huge industry of human beings who get together and talk shit about whatever the broadcasters or the mainstream media missed about the narrative or of the experience right and i feel like this this kind of revisionist approach to what's happening on the field is that is that helping to make the broadcasters more honest is that create is that creating something is that creating a, a problem or is it make is it enriching the experience what do you think what do you guys think it has been interesting to see how um people I, I don't want to call it like civil society but i guess like people who are not directly involved in the sport have begun to um, take a greater, uh, take up a greater role in the spectacle. So the grandstand, in a way, has learned to chant differently. And now, you know, sometimes the broadcasters who um, who, who do usually pick and highlight what what it is uh, that they're going to tell and what they're going to focus on, this sort of gives them another way, another link to to the fans. And and they, res- I think they do respond. Uh, because it's market driven in a way, you know, what do people want to hear about? What do they want to know about? And, and there are reactions, uh, to how some of those, those narratives are, are dealt, dealt with. I personally, like one of the things that I thought was, uh, socially very useful. Uh, you remember a few years ago, like what, two and a half years ago, some of this, uh, the violence in the NFL really just got Mm -hmm. heated, Mm -hmm. all that rice stuff. I feel like had it not been for the, the ability of pundits first to express their opinions and then also um, they're regurgitating what they were hearing from from uh, from the people that put a lot of pressure on on the NFL and I, you know the, the decisions that they ultimately took I thought were reflective of what people wanted to have happen what they thought was appropriate um, so I, I thought that was a, an interesting way that the sort of the, the downstream of information happens, um, you know. A lot of times, it does feel like the maybe the networks or the the leagues actually orchestrate certain narratives that they want us to all consume. But as it comes down, sometimes it comes back up. Um, and, and I thought there, at least uh, in the case of the NFL and, and some of the, these other issues that we've seen in the, in the last few years that deal with social issues, uh, it's it's a good good to see it. Because what forum did the fan have before to voice these tickets. Uh, opinions? Your tickets. Did you yeah, buy t- tickets, tickets and ratings? Yeah. But it wasn't as it wasn't a, it wasn't uh it wasn't a, it, it was it wasn't immediate. It wasn't like uh it wasn't a sensitive uh way of 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 responding, right? Of, of saying, you know, I I I was listening to the um to the Cavaliers uh, to to the Cavs and and Warriors game the other day, and the announcers said, at one point, one of the one of the broadcasters said, uh, you know, we've, you know, p- basically the people had spoken and said, you guys were basically talking up the Warriors, and that's all you're talking about, and you're basically not 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 basically left the Cavaliers out of the out of the picture, and the announcers like, well, the, the Warriors basically had like destroyed the Cavs for the first three games, right? Um, but I thought that was really interesting that there was an open acknowledgement of, hey, we hear we heard you grandstanders and we're sorry. We didn't mean to like make it that, but that's just kind of what the narrative that was unfolding in front of us, and that's kind of the story we had to tell, but we hear you. And I thought that was pretty powerful because, you know, I'm assuming that via Twitter and all the other social media devices or or or, or avenues, outlets, this is kind of how word got to these people. Um, how would that word have gotten to those broadcasters before? Yeah, uh, I don't think it necessarily it didn't exist. Oh, yeah. go ahead. Some of the social media platforms that have emerged provide such a, 
an easy way for companies and corporations to to read their their consumers that you know, stuff like this now they look at it and for every tweet they say okay that each tweet represents 200 people or represents 500 people and you know if you start seeing this much activity generating you know it's a market driven economy you know where this is going to hit you uh, eventually um, but I think companies have become so attuned uh, particularly in the entertainment business uh, so sports broadcasting all of that um, they know they're they're well aware of uh, of what that stuff means, and so I think broadcasters are encouraged to to be attuned to that. Uh, that's that's kind of cool. Yeah. Can there be too much noise? Can there be too much talking? Can will it have will it fa have an effect on uh, on making these narrators self aware and and less nuanced? Or is it just going to get better? Um. Well. I don't know if there there can be too much noise, but but certain voices that that weren't able to be heard before now have a plat now have platforms to be heard. But in the end, it's still you know it, it kind of does lead to this could lead to this oversaturation. But the popular voice will always be what what rises to the top. Um, there is going to be this noise that comes from uh, from many you know minority spaces that didn't use that you wouldn't have normally heard before but they're still kind of hard they're still hard to find they still get lost in the shuffle of the the louder narratives that are being played out and to to what one time saying in the end the the sports the corporations they're going to follow the crowd they're going to follow where, where the what the loudest voices are saying so in doing that the, the even though there's opportunity to hear you can seek out a grandstand podcast um finding grandstand podcasts is still extremely difficult for most, for the vast majority of people. Yeah. So we know that obviously political punditry is 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 you know it's huge and it's it's a huge business and and it's it's like a you know I, I would dare say that that uh, well actually no it's 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 the blood sport as we said and it's it's the it's 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 equally as entertaining and it follows the same kind of model and the same structure of sports punditry and broadcasting but where where does um what is where does the broadcasting in the political sphere look like dan one time Oof. Um, where does where does that happen how does it happen because that that exists right there's a yeah, broadcaster that's narrating play by play give me an, give me an example of where that where you see that um well i think if I don't think anyone in the United States is particularly happy at the moment, except for like news networks and newspapers. Um, you know, the pundits—they've um, got so much to talk about right now and so much to comment on. Uh, and it, it's a—it's a particularly difficult time period in, in the world at the moment. There's a lot of uncertainty uh, here in the United States, abroad. There's stuff going on all over the world, and partly because uh, we have so much media at our at our fingertips, I think we're probably more more aware of more things that happen around the world uh, than we ever have in history. Uh, and a lot of that uncertainty, combined with access to information, is causing people to have this incredible appetite for for news media. And not just news media, but context. And it's that exact context that you were describing earlier. Having somebody to walk you through the implications of you know, what's been going on in you know, the White House, what's going on with Brexit, what's going on with China, uh, all of those issues. Um, you know, the Comey hearings a couple of weeks, you know, this last week, it's a great example. If you had just been sitting in the room listening to what Comey was saying and what uh, – you know what he uh, had. You know, the, the questions he was getting from the senators, you may or may not have been able to to take away any solid um, conclusions. I, everybody read into it whatever they wanted to to read into it. Um, if you watch CNN, MSNBC, uh, BBC, you definitely got uh, one particular take on it. And then if you watch Fox News, you got a very different take on, on what came out. Um, 
but regardless of what flavor you enjoy, uh, it seems like right now people are nervous and hungry for for this this context. Um, and you know, as we've talked about here before, some of the things that we get really worried about with that with that appetite is that you can pick and choose your flavors. Well, much like food, you can consume too much of any one thing, and then it's probably not good for you. Um, so we've definitely seen that the the broadcasters, the the, the media, uh, when it comes to politics lately, the narratives are getting further and further apart, and you know people get to pick and choose what they want. So they just get stuck in that echo chamber. Yeah, I mean to 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 simplify what I, the point I was making earlier. Um, I don't think there's too much noise. It's it's just a matter now, now. There's just a lot more flavors to choose from um, beyond just the beyond just the 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 mainstream options. Now you can, you know, there's it's like all these, it's like all it's like having all these uh, boutique stores or small businesses to 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 get to consume from if if you want, uh, if you're willing to to seek it out. But in the end, people just seek out what the what confirms their their bias, right? Within within politics, precisely. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I had to shut down my Twitter account just because it was getting so uh, uh, manic. Like there, there's a certain theory, of, or like not theory, but like a, a certain um, manicness about the way people uh, communicate their thoughts now. Everything is just like it's almost an attack. Um, and so you just pick the attacks that suit you, that suit your side, and kind of comfort yourself with, with whatever those people are saying um, or those particular sources. It's heinous right now. But you know, the, the news media does the same thing that, that ESPN is, is increasingly doing, which is like they, they stage these competitions within their little uh, echo chambers, you know, mm. to where like... Uh, um, you know, if you put on a, a, a Tucker Carlson, um, he ba- his show the, the format basically consists of picking out jobbers from the from the opposite side, and you know, creating this this supposed conflict. CNN does the same thing; they put the panels of people arguing with each other. But it's such a manipulated and pretty much fabricated uh, competition of ideas. Yeah, you know. And and ESPN does the same thing with with you know that that's the direction they're moving in is more of those type of shows where you put you put the two, you know um, you put the two analysts arguing over you know or, or over some point, um, where it's so clearly <laughs> like professional wrestling it's so clearly a a fabricated uh, a debate, you know it's it's mm-hmm. such a stage manipulated um, uh, scripted debate. And so the way the, the sports pundits and the, and the political pundits, uh, the way the, the outlets um, uh, present these, these stories is uh, it's very similar. And it, one of the, the things that's really concerning you know, with sports punditry, if you want to turn off the, the context, you turn off the, the commentary, then you, can, you really have to know a lot about the sport in order to be able to draw conclusions from what you're watching. You know, you, you've got no context. So, you know, like we were saying with the ballet or when you're watching a football match without the sound on, you know, you, you've got to be really familiar with what's happening on, on the screen to be able to follow it and not have somebody sort of directing you in a certain, in a certain way. Politics is ten times as complicated. You know, <laughs> you're talking about if one particular news story breaks relating to foreign policy on Brexit, that could potentially have like 10 different, you know, serious categories of like economics, uh, national security, uh, telecommunications, uh, you know, diplomatic affairs, world trade organization. It, it's hard for people to, to be able to contextualize something without a sort of a guide, um, somebody to kind of point things out and say, all right, this is why this is significant. This is why it's important that you know James Comey said this, and this is why it's important that you know, President Trump responded like this. Um, so they they have a big responsibility, and it seems just like with the rest of the political rhetoric, the 
the media has also latched onto that um, that appetite, and they're they're feeding people more and more of what what people want. And it seems like right now, what people want is hysteria. They want you know every news story to be covering the most you know crazy thing that's ever happened in the White House. You know, this is unprecedented. Everything has to be um, you know like it has to have a doomsday countdown clock in the bottom right hand corner <laughs> otherwise no one's gonna watch so, no one wants to watch c-span <laughs> exactly exactly how much is our need to to peek behind the curtain like kind of feel this 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 show after show after show both in politics and in sports well uh, where, where they where they tell us like basically what 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 fucking what LeBron James had for breakfast? Well, we want. I think we like to look behind the curtain, but also we still want the spectacle. So we don't always necessarily want to know what's going on behind closed doors. Um, I don't know. We is it important to know those things? Do we need to know those things? Why is that entertaining? Well, why? Why is it? Maybe that is just like a, a fetish of people's. Um, I don't know. I like it, but but, but why, Professor? Why do you like it? Because that I think in the end that's the most interesting story is 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 the one about is about people, and yeah. so I'm I'm fascinated by by who LeBron James is as a person, um, mm-hmm. uh, and I think and and as we become a a more transparent society, one in which your interaction with these public figures, which before there was this this distance, and there still is a distance, of course, but that distance is is changing, where you can interact more closely now. Um, it makes all the more sense that we also um, we're we're we're, be, we're getting closer and closer to to knowing about their personal lives as well. ESPN has no need for to do highlight shows anymore. You can get your highlights from you know. From YouTube. YouTube. Uh, what ESPN is, is going to start doing is, is more, more social commentary, more linking, um, you know, what's hap- basically what we're doing here. Uh, I think ESPN is, gonna, is, is moving more in that direction and, and more stuff like uh, uh, more of the, the, the scripted little debates like, you know, the, the PTIs and those type of things. And all, but then also more, more 30 for 30s, more of those type of documentaries, um, which... Yeah, uh, which there is a rise in our in our culture of of an appreciation for that type of storytelling, um, and especially about extraordinary people. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Especially for this particular generation, we love podcasts and documentaries and all that stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah, we're, yeah, we're we're the one going back to it. It's been us. We we're the market, and we we've been the ones who have been communicating this to. To, to the networks and to the corporation saying this is this is the type of stuff we like. Yeah. Absolutely. How will how will that change the, the actual play by play narration? I think another thing that's changed is all, is also the shortening of attention spans. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. and I do wonder if if you know what first and foremost what, what is gonna make a uh a desirable uh uh play by play announcer Mm-hmm. Uh, won't be as much their ability to narrate, you know, to tell stories for three hours, um, mm-hmm. but rather who is better at creating these really good sound bites in during big plays, you know. And of course, the best of the best can do, will can do both, but um, but I, increasingly people are. I wonder if if people are going to go away from watching entire games and instead mostly consume these packaged highlight reels hot um, takes hot takes basically yeah. and so broadcasters are going to have to that is going to it's already important but it's going to become all the more important now that um people are going to hear you during those hot take moments um a, a more so than than you know less less people are going to sit down and listen to you for three hours straight and some you know some guys are really good at that are really good at pacing right mm-hmm. um but maybe Pacing, while still important, won't be as important as it will be the guy who is really good at at <laughs> providing a hot take during a home run. What's your favorite broadcasting moment? I, I've got one so clearly in my head. 
I, I for, uh, the first one that came to mind for me was was uh, the Chilena, Chilena by Raúl Jiménez, <laughs> and then and then Luis Garcia in the background, his mic, you could hear him going, "No mames." Gotta be the greatest thing that ever happened in the in the broadcast booth. Were you gonna say that, Professor? That was it. That's what comes to mind too. They made a fucking T-shirt out of that. <laughs> it says "No mames" and it's Luis Garcia yelling. What's yours? What's yours? One time, dude. Uh, I rewatched the. Um... The commentary from that uh, Maradona's most beautiful goal oh, ever. That's and one of the most beautiful things ever, too. It's one of the most beautiful poems ever written on the spot. It was... Ta, 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 Maradona, Maradona. No, quiero llorar. Quiero llorar, barrilete cósmico de qué planeta viniste para dejar en el camino a tanto inglés. That exact one, that line exactly. And then at the end where he's crying. Gracias Dios. Por el fútbol, por Maradona, por este dos, Argentina dos, Inglaterra cero. Gracias a Dios, por el fútbol, por Maradona, por esas lágrimas, por este, Argentina dos, Inglaterra cero. You couldn't, you couldn't write that. You couldn't write that stuff. Going back to the Chilena thing, one of the, so I, 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 one of my addictions is to listen to broadcasters to, you know these to these really beautiful and 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 uh, remarkable narrations of remarkable things in sports. But the one there, there's one where they play the the chilena in all four networks that were broadcasting the game, yeah. and you can listen to all four of them. Yeah. And there's even one by ESPN in Spanish. But the the one 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 that I thought was really kind of is very telling and beautiful about Mexican narration uh, that I always find really rich and beautiful and I really love and I'm talking specifically about Mexican narrators not Latin American narrators but specifically Mexican narrators they they're very visceral and emotional and and they're not very good at 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 providing the prose in those moments and one of the ones that I love is the the Televisa narration of it and the guy he 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 kind of like he was not the broadcaster he became a fan right and he just like kind of yells at the top of his lungs and you can tell jokes. his like voice yeah he's like is <laughs> <laughs> this thing you know yeah. <laughs> and he's just he says a bunch of really stupid shit like afterwards because he's just so fucking excited right he's not he's not doing the barreleta cosmico de que planet like that that shit is just poetic I mean it is one of the most beautiful things you'll ever hear ever um, because just the, to come up with that on on the off the, like at the moment off the cuff is so incredible but contrast that with the, the Televisa guy I think it's Raul Ortellanos it sounds so stupid It sounds so stupid, but yet it sounds so beautiful because I I felt what he was feeling, and I was you know, which I was gonna ask you guys: Have you ever do you, do you ever listen to something and then want to kind of want to cry because you're reliving that moment because of the narration? I think this is actually something that NFL films and you know ESPN hits up a, a lot. Uh, anytime I watch, in particular, NFL films, mm-hmm. just certain. Uh, certain commentators even like I, I can't necessarily remember what they were calling or what the what they were but there were just certain moments that are still so marked by um, their voices that you know you were watching them even as just as a kid sitting around on Sundays when I had no idea what was going on but just still hearing certain uh, like John Madden it's a it's a really soothing, comforting thing. So then, when I when you do see those cool uh, sports clips and the highlights, and their voices in that grainy lo-fi, <laughs> tech, man, it just hits you in the 
bang, like, yeah, it takes it right back. Of course. Absolutely. Professor, you, you ever watch YouTube videos and cry? Um, yeah, but, but, um, yeah, as far as the, like the a call calls that, that I have a, an emotional connection to it's, it's, it would be Jerry Coleman with the, with the Padres when we, Clinch the the National League pennant in '98 in that, in that whole Finley Finley Finley. Coming on quickly, Finley Finley Finley. Under he's got it, and the Padres draped the National League flag around their shoulders for 1998. Behold, Doctor. Hang a star on the entire season. That that um th- that moment is is what it is, only with Jerry Coleman's voice over it. You know the the the, the triple crown winner always like chokes me up too, the the recent one. Yeah, uh, yeah. The 37-year wait is over. American Pharoah is finally the one. American Pharoah has won the Triple Crown. That one, like, that, just the buildup of that is so beautiful. Um, I also, I'm a big fan of uh, Jim Lampley calling George Foreman, knocking out. Um, when, he, when he got the Yeah. No, 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 no. When Foreman, well, that's a really famous one too, right? Uh, Howard Cosell. One of the masters of the microphone, but the the Jim Lampley calling Foreman when he wins after he be, it was there, after he came back from retirement he was fifty years old. Oh yeah, and he just goes into it. it, it this is basically he's like he's saying it happened, it happened, it happened, it happened, it happened. You know, and all I could see is like um, like like the the market for baby boomers and all the shit you could potentially sell to people. You're like fuck, a fifty year old can knock some kid out. Can you imagine what you can do? But I just like that that has such like an impact on culture. Sometimes these narrations, you know, that go way beyond sports. Oh, for sure. Some, you know, the, 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 the best broadcasters are the ones who know there is a time for silence. Like there is a time where, yeah. where, where we don't want to hear the narrator uh, or, or is that we don't even know that we don't want to hear it. They're the ones who know better. They, they know Right now, it's what will provide the, the, the fan the better experiences if I just keep quiet for, like, 30 seconds. Yeah, and, they, and they'll say it, you know. Some of the greats, some of the greats will, will, will say, you know, uh, Vin Scully, who's a, a Dodger but who I no, no less respect because I really love his voice. You know, he, he very often he would, he would like, you know, he would just, you know, when he was quiet, it's like, okay, you got to pay attention, mm-hmm. you know, to this. This is, this is magical. You know, I always found that to be really, really powerful and beautiful. And it happens everywhere in all sports. You know, you, that's, you, some, that's something. That, yeah, but that's something that you have to have just develop from hours and hours and hours of watching game after game, like knowing when that that build up is coming. And you're like, all right, this team is down two nil, but there's a pressure coming, and it's picking up and picking up, and you you just know it's gonna it's about to change. And yeah. it, and it's knowing the audience. It's it's knowing when it, it takes this the, the wisdom of the broadcaster to know when when they can handle silence, mm, right? And think for themselves, right? So so we learn that the 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 broadcaster without the broadcaster, regardless of how much like stupid shit they might say sometimes, and I want to turn the TV off or the radio off. Um, there's there there is obviously they they are. Well, this is obvious. We don't have to say it, but. Without them, the the story just would not be the same, and and they definitely, definitely enrich our experience, and and they give us context, and they provide the narrative, the the prose for, for what 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 these these beautiful things that that humans do on the field, they they, they may seem they may seem really like trite and and, and stupid to the non spectator, but to to the grandstanders and the people who who love who love the the, the spectacle, just to be reminded of. Sometimes we can be really awesome. Human beings can do awesome shit, and and to hear it narrated in a in a in a way that that adds to that experience, it, it makes it makes for a better life. I think. <laughs> totally. Uh, I want to dedicate this episode to Tecatito Corona. I hope he uh, I hope he gets better, whatever he's going through, because um, we really we, I really like that kid. I hope he comes back soon. Uh, thank you for listening and get to work, cabrones.
boxing for the past three years. 